Welcome to the Radical Lifestyle Podcast, brought to you by Generation to Generation, where you will be inspired by the past, equipped for the present, and prepared for the future, as we engage in conversations with people from around the world. Hello everyone, this is Andrew and Daphne from Generation to Generation, and our guest today is Chris Quartz. Chris, for people that don't know who you are, can you just say a bit about where you're from and what you do? Sure. Um, I live in just outside of Memphis, Tennessee with my wife, and and then I have three boys. Um, The oldest two are out of the house, and uh, we have one remaining who just graduated from college. Uh, So he'll be off soon, and um, I'm in the trucking business and have been for about 30 years. And uh, for for people listening to this that want to find out more about what we're going to talk about, where could they do that? Yeah, we're going to talk about a prison ministry that I've been involved in for almost 20 years, and it's called Kairos, uh, K-A-I-R-O-S. And the website for the international ministry is kairosprisonministry.org. Okay, and that link will be in the description box. So for you listening, you can go straight there and check out what they're doing. So we were going to start off by saying, hey, Chris, you've been in and out of prison for 20 years. Would you like to tell us about it? But we've (laughs) we've given it away by announcing it's a ministry. But um, I know you're highly successful in in many areas, including the trucking business, which always fascinates me hearing about it. But what we really want to do now is to focus on this prison ministry. So you said 20 years. What drew you into it? How did you start this journey? Um, you know, like, like most of my fellow brother volunteers, somebody asked me, somebody uh, told me about it and said, Hey, we've got some ministry that's going on in a, in a penitentiary. And, uh, would you be interested? And uh, I was immediately, uh, intrigued and it was actually part of promise keepers, which I'm not sure if they're still around, but used to have these, uh, conferences for men that, you know, would fill up football stadiums with 15 or 20,000 men. Um, it's a very powerful um, event for anybody who ever attended one. Uh, And they were doing a simulcast from the penitentiary um, uh, of a a Promise Keepers event at a prison in Ohio. And so that was my first trip into the penitentiary. And that was about 2002. What was it like for you the first time you went in? Was that the first time you had been into a prison? Um, you know, I have a, a, a brother who got into a little bit of trouble when he was younger. And, and so I visited him. Um, he thankfully has turned his life around and is a very, very productive member of society and very successful. Uh, so it wasn't my first time in a prison. Um, but the, the experience was, was a bit, um, unsettling. Just we, we were about eight volunteers in a big room and then, uh, all of a sudden about 150 inmates came in that room and uh, uh, they started approaching us in mass. And uh, I had backed up all the way to the wall and couldn't back up anymore. <laughs> and then all, I realized uh, quickly that uh, my concerns were unfounded because all they wanted to do was uh, give me a big hug and tell me, uh, thank you for coming. So it was uh it was a little unsettling, but man, once once that first those embraces happened, then uh, 
it, it was just, you know, uh, two, two people or a group of people interacting. And what was this penitentiary like? What kind of criminals have we got in here? I know in England, sometimes you have prisons which are dedicated to specific crimes. Um, so what kind of people are you interacting with? Um, you know, Kairos has a, a particular mission uh, that that they they want to try to build up the Christian community in the prisons that they serve. And uh, Kairos is present in almost 500 prisons all over the world, 37 U.S. states and nine countries, including the U.K., and and they have a really clever strategy, and that is to recruit positive and negative leaders within the prison population, and specifically people who are going to be there for some length of time. Um, maybe they have 10, 20 years, or maybe they've got a life sentence, um, and if we can change their heart for Christ and to cause them to, to, to have a change of heart, um, by being exposed to Christ's message of love and forgiveness, then they're already leaders. You know, they can uh, have a tremendous impact in the prison because we go in twice a year. We do a three and a half day program. Uh, we're in the prison uh, with the inmates. We, we can handle up to 42 inmates. We call them residents. Uh, inmates is a, a, a little, I guess, um, pejorative in certain circles. So we, we, we tend to call them residents, but I started out calling them inmates just because I think that's what, what people uh, really uh, could understand. Prisoners, inmates, we call them residents. Um, but we can take up to 42 uh, residents uh, on this three and a half day weekend. And then there's about, um, two or three more volunteers than there are residents. So, you know, if we're full capacity, you know, there's about 80 to 90 people that are in this, in a special room that's set up at the penitentiary, uh, just specifically for this program. Uh, Thursday is more of a meet and greet and icebreaker. Just everybody gets up. We, sh we, we feed them first, first and foremost, we feed them. Uh, we also have a, a kitchen at a prison, or excuse me, at a church that's a couple of miles down the road from the prison. So we prepare home-cooked meals for three and a half days. And many of the, the residents will tell us um, that, you know, they came for the food. Um, but And that's okay. We're, we're okay with that because, uh, you know, the Kairos is based on Maslow's hierarchy of needs. If you've ever uh, been exposed to Abraham Maslow. And, and at the bottom of that pyramid, um, it says that until your basic needs are met, like, you know, shelter, food, water, clothing, you can't begin to think about other people until you have your basic needs met. And so we feed them. Um, and, and you could kind of say that the food is the, is the bait. Um, and, and, uh, once they bite into the food, they find that we're really there to share Christ, but we're up front with them. Uh, we tell them, uh, we're, we're unashamed. We're unabashed. We tell them that we're there representing Christ. And, um, but we also tell them that, Hey, if, if you want to make a change in your life, uh, after being exposed to, uh, this weekend and the, and Christ's love and forgiveness, then that's fine. And, but if you like your life the way it is, I mean, that, that's really your choice. Um, we don't, we don't take Bibles into the prison with us. Um, it, we don't, you know, beat them over the head with scripture. Uh, Kairos has a very simple motto. It's listen, listen, love, love. And anybody can do it. You don't have to be qualified. Uh, it's a lay led ministry as well, which is quite unique. We do have uh, ordained clergy uh, on the weekend with us, but the leader 
and and really all of the leaders on a particular Kairos weekend are are lay ministers like myself, not ordained, uh, but uh, active uh, in my church and in my community. Wow, listen, listen, love, love. Wouldn't be a bad motto over every home. Amen. Amen. It's, uh, we study, we, we have to study, we, we get together for eight Saturdays in a row um, for four to five hours each time to, to come together as a team. Uh, it's, it's an ecumenical ministry, which is also something that, that, that is a, appealing to me. So we might have out of that uh, group of 30 or 40 volunteers like myself, we might have eight different Christian denominations and 20 or 25 different churches represented. So it's a beautiful example of unity in the church. And so instead of focusing on uh, uh, various aspects of, of uh, Christian denominations that may be divisive, like how you do communion or whether you speak in tongues or these other things, we focus on the core tenets of Christianity that all Christians can agree on. And that's what we uh, uh, position and that's what we represent when we go in. Uh, but it's, it's eight Saturdays in a row for four or five hours. And then, you know, uh, you take off two days of work and go into the penitentiary for, we're probably with them for about 40 or 45 hours. And then there's a, a hotel about 15 minutes away that uh, we go in in the morning at 7 a.m. and we leave at 8 p.m. So 13 hours a day inside. And then we go back to a, a local hotel and uh, you know, get some sleep, and then come back the the next day for it. I, I, from my perspective, I can only imagine if I went in, and I've got seeing all these men in front of me. I do, would... Is it just men, or do you have women there as well? Oh, that's a great question, Andrew. I'm glad you asked because just Kairos, just before um, Mum carries on with the with the men yeah, sure. Sure, yeah. Uh, Kairos has basically three uh, branches of ministry. Um, and again, I just want to, I, I don't represent Kairos. I'm a volunteer. So in that capacity, and I've been doing it a long time. So that's the capacity in which I'm, I'm speaking. Um, but Kairos has three kind of branches. They have Kairos inside, uh, both for men and women. So, uh, for, for men, we go into men's prisons and then there's also a Kairos outside for women, uh, made up of a team, uh, of volunteers, female volunteers that go into the, the female prisons. And then Kairos outside is a really cool weekend retreat that's available for female relatives or friends of men or women who are incarcerated. Um, uh, there is unfortunately uh, a lot of times a stigma associated with you if your son or daughter or husband or wife is, is in prison. And even sometimes I hate to say um, that that uh, that extends even into the, their church life, um, that mm -hmm. they're, some, they're somehow looked down upon or ashamed because they have a, a relative or family member or close friend that's in prison. Uh, so the Kairos outside invites these ladies to a weekend retreat where they're really just treated very special. Um, there's some of the things about the Kairos weekend. It's not secret. You know, so there's kind of this conception misconception that, you know, it's kind of a secret thing. It's not secret, but there's some really special things that happen that we just want the people who attend to be able to experience it for themselves. It's like, if, if you just read the greatest book that you ever read, um, and you go tell somebody about it, you're not going to tell them what happens in the end, right? You're not going to tell them 
that you might set it up. And so we'll do that. We'll tell them, we'll answer any questions that they have. Um, but there's some really special things that, that are done on a Kairos outside weekend to make these women feel special um, and feel loved. And then the third branch is Kairos Torch, and it's basically a weekend retreat and then a long-term mentoring program for juvenile offenders. Uh, but yet, but there is a men's ministry and a women's ministry to uh, to Kairos Inside, where you go inside the prison. Only men go to men's prisons. Only women go to women's prisons. Mm. And then uh, uh, Kairos Outside is for females, and Kairos Torch is for juvenile offenders. Okay. Sorry, I didn't mean to cut you off there i was just checking you, you said, said men so i was like i don't know if we're talking to just men or women's situations here <laughs> um i was thinking that if i went in i would think it took some time to get used to not being distracted by the fact that these people are locked up there for years and sometimes for life and i think i would find that very overwhelming um and trying not to almost identify with it as, I mean, I can't even imagine what that must be like. How did you come to terms with, or how did you get used to being in that environment and being empathetic and listen, 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 and not being overwhelmed? Yeah, that's a great question. It, you know, your heart goes out um, to, to these men that we see. Um, many of them are just like us. Um, they, they made mistakes, but, but they got caught, you know? And so there's a lot of empathy that we have. Um, uh, it, it, the cool thing about it is that the penitentiary that we serve in and most of the ones, they set up a special place for this weekend to take place. Uh, the, the, the inmate residents, if they have a job, they have to agree not to go to their job for those four days, right? They have to be totally dedicated to those four days, um, if they, they, they can't have a visit, um, visitation typically takes place on weekends. So they have to make sure that they tell their family, Hey, don't come this weekend. Cause I'm going to Kairos. But the, the thing that really, um, melts them, uh, they come in with, with a lot of walls up and a lot of masks up that they've developed over many years to, to protect themselves, mm -hmm. especially in, in the prison. Um, it's a very dangerous environment. Um, it's a very dark environment. Um, there, there is a lot of evil um, that, that, that exists there. But over the years, I've, I've just heard so many stunning comments from the inmates that, that, that come to the program. Um, there is an opportunity in the program for them to get up and to, to tell us what, what the experience has been like. And uh, one of the ones that comes to mind is a guy, uh, this is probably 10, 15 years ago, a guy said that, that Kairos is a beautiful place in the penitentiary. And, 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 and other uh, volunteers have said, you know, they come in on Thursday, everybody's kind of a little standoffish. Um, you know, uh, just going to say it like it is. Most of our volunteers are white, and most of the inmates that we serve at the penitentiary that we serve in are black. And so there's cultural uh, differences, there are socioeconomic differences um, that are perceived at first. But once we get to spend some time and we get to listen to them and we get to love on them, um, and, and one of the most powerful things about the weekend is the, the volunteers give talks and the talks have uh, themes that are relevant uh, to someone who's incarcerated, like the first 
uh, talk is called choices, right? It's a pretty obvious one. And, and uh, my fellow volunteers, you know, and myself, uh, we're chosen on each weekend to give these talks. There's, I can't remember exactly. It's 12 or 13, 14 talks over three and a half days. Um, and during each talk, there's an opportunity for the volunteer to give a little bit of their testimony. And so it's the, it's the, you know, the, the, we have kind of a script because Kairos is a tried and true method. And, and we, as volunteers, uh, kind of make a commitment to be obedient to the method. Um, but during that personal testimony time, uh, every inmate is locked on your eyes. They're listening, they're hanging on every word. And then when they realize that we aren't quite so buttoned up as we seem that we have skeletons in our closets, we have, um, past, uh, behavior and past sins that, that we're ashamed of too. Um, the walls begin to come down. The walls begin to come down. And one of my volunteers, the guy who actually got me involved in Cairo said that, you know, by Friday afternoon, uh, if we weren't dressed differently, um, you would think that it's just a bunch of guys hanging out on the deck of a cruise ship, just having a great time together. Uh, so, um, it, but it is tough because we come in there for three and a half days and then we leave them. Right. But one of the beautiful, uh, constructs of Kairos and really the heart of Kairos is to develop what Kairos calls prayer and share groups inside the prison, because we come in for three and a half days and it's a wonderful, it's like a mountaintop experience, uh, in a biblical sense that weekend. But then when we leave on Sunday, they go back down into Valley duty, right? They go back down into the reality of being locked up. Um, and so there, we try to encourage the men, each table has three volunteers and six inmates. Uh, and we try to group the people at each table by the pod that they live in. So that's the specific building that they live in with the idea that when we leave and we're going to train them up, we're going to coach them up while we're there. We're going to practice. We're going to demonstrate, um, what it is to, to have a, a prayer and share group. And really a prayer and share group is, is like a small group which we're all familiar with. Uh, there's a, a little grouping card that we give each resident. It's got seven like uh, open-ended thought-provoking questions. Like one of them is, uh, tell me a moment in the last week where you felt, you felt Christ's presence. It's just a, a, a opener. And, and then you just let the men share. And so when, when they leave and go back to their pods, the idea is every week they're meeting together as a group. And so uh, we, we demonstrate that as, as I mentioned, and then we kind of, we come in once a month on the third, we do it on the third Wednesday of every month, uh, and for a Kairos reunion. So we don't, we don't, uh, disallow people who haven't been to Kairos from those reunions. Uh, we do segregate them at one point of the meeting, uh, because we want to tell them a little bit more about Kairos and maybe encourage them to, to come to a future weekend. Um, but so it's a continuing ministry, but you know, they're in that prison 24 hours a day with their brothers that are locked up with them. And so again, we try to make them come together. We call the tables families and we name each one of them after, you know, we, we typically have Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, James, and, 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 and Peter or something or, or the, the table names. And so, um, they identify with that family. You know, I'm from the family of John, I'm from the family of Mark. And so there's this bond that takes place. Uh, it's kind of amazing to see the transformation over just, just three and a half days. I mean, I've seen, it's been the most impactful ministry I've ever served in. Um, uh, 
And I've seen some things that are just unbelievable that are just really uh, modern day miracles in people's lives as a result of that simple message of listen, listen, love, love. You think about being in prison, nobody listens to you in prison and they certainly don't share love with you. Um, and so when we come in there and we have to train ourselves because you can tell from, I'm a talker, right? And a lot of our guys are talkers. Uh, so we train on active listening. You know, God gave us two ears and one mouth. So we should listen twice as much as we speak. Um, we should do just what you're doing, Andrew, right now. You're nodding. See, I can tell that you're tracking with me because you're looking at me and you're, you're nodding. You're, you're kind of letting me know, giving me those nonverbals that let me know that, yeah, I'm really engaged with, I really care about what you have to say. Yeah. And that is just a, I mean, it sounds simple, but it's profound. Um, the, the reaction that we get. You mentioned earlier um, that in order for them to come, they have to give up the slot with guests, with family or friends that may be coming to see them. So they, they pay a, a price at the start to be able to come and be a part of this. Um, and I like that you set up the, the, the inmates to be in groups um, so that during the weeks when you're not there or the days that you're not there, they have that support inside. Um, yeah which I think is really important. Have you heard of people that come to this that have paid a price for coming to it, that maybe once they're back inside, you know, they get beaten or mocked or whatever for going to these things with Christians uh, to find out more about the faith? Do they pay yeah. a price on that front as well? Yeah, you know, some some of them, uh, some of them do, but, but there's an interesting kind of... Uh, a set of unwritten rules in, in, in the penitentiary. And, and what we find is that, and we have a lot of gang members. I mean, there are last time I heard 28 known gangs that exist in the penitentiary that we serve in. Mm -hmm. And so when you get to the penitentiary, the first thing you do is you, what they call you click up, you, you, you join up with somebody because mm -hmm. there's safety in numbers. Um, right. Um, but you know, I've seen gang members, I've seen, uh, what they call officers. I mean, they have a structure and a hierarchy. They're very well organized. I've seen gang leaders, uh, what they call lay down their flag is the prison term for leaving the gang. And normally you may have heard this, but normally uh, they have a, a tradition that when you join a gang, they beat you up as, you know, as an initiation. And if you try to leave, they beat you up. Um, they physically assault you, but what happens is if, if a guy has a genuine change of heart during Kairos and they go back to their, the last thing you heard you say was, and when they go back to their pods. Yeah, sure. So the, you asked if, if any of the, the inmates that attend Kairos, you know, pay a price when they go back to the pods and, you know, there's, there's, there's a set of unwritten rules in prison, like, like in most areas of society, and, and there's a genuine respect for people who try to change their life, uh, who try to turn it around, who try to uh, follow God. Um, but, you know, when you live in a, a prison, uh, everything you do is magnified. Everything you do is seen. There's no secret. There's no, everybody knows what everybody's doing. Mm -hmm. And so, uh, particularly when gang members come to, to Kairos and they uh, are just impacted, um, by the, the gospel, 
uh, and they want a change of heart and they want to leave the gang. They call it laying down their flag is what the, the, the inmates call it. So the, again, the ones who come back and who have had a genuine conversion experience and are really trying to live for God and really trying to learn more about God, um, there's a, uh, they are left alone if it's genuine, but you know, you kind of live life under a microscope when you're in prison. Everybody knows what everybody else is into. You know, they know who the, the card sharks are, the poker players, the, the, the drug dealers, uh, the gang lead. Everybody knows what everybody's up to. Um, there's a term that, that uh, one of the chaplains that's been there for uh, 35 years, I believe, uses. Uh, it's, it's, it's flodging. You know, it's, it's faking it acting like you had a, a conversion experience and, and then go back to living your life exactly the same way you were before, but pretending to be a Christian, um, there's not a whole lot of respect for that. Um, pe- again, there, there's, I hate to use the term cause it's negative, but you've ever heard the term there's honor among thieves. Yeah. Um, right. again, I don't mean to, 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 to speak in a derogatory way. I love these men. Um, but there is a certain honor code that, that they go by. And, um, typically again, if you have a, a sincere change of heart, um, you're morally rehabilitated, you're seeking Christ and you're really doing it. Um, yeah, there's some respect for that. And, uh, in fact, the gang leaders, I mean, I met a gang leader one time at a weekend, he's over a thousand men. I mean, think about that. There's only 2,500 men in the prison that we go to this one guy. He's about six foot six, about 240 pounds, just ripped a physical specimen, just real bright, white smile. And just, I mean, a handsome guy and man, he, I mean, that thousand men that would do anything he told them to do, I mean, that's real power, but those gang leaders have a respect for the leaders of the church and they have an inmate led church, uh, community at the prison. Um, and it's, it's multiracial, it's ecumenical as well. And, and, you know, a lot of times those gang leaders, the Christian leaders will go and they'll mediate when there's uh, trouble between two rival gangs, the Christian leaders will go, go in and act as a, an intercessor or a mediator to try to help, you know, eliminate whatever the, 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 the beef is, or the, the, the struggle is over. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, so yeah, it's, 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 it's quite interesting um, to see it. I mean, it's a world within itself. I mean, being in a prison, it's everything is completely controlled. Um, when they eat, when they sleep, when they go to the doctor, when they go to work, I mean, what they wear, I mean, everything is, they say, and we say in the choices talk that the average, uh, human makes about a hundred choices a day. Um, and in the prison, about 95% of those choices are made for you. Uh, mm-hmm. so, um, it's, it's a very structured environment and, uh, we are there uh, at the guest of the prison. And, um, you know, we try to act like good guests when you're visiting someone else's house, you know, we're, we're an invited guest. And so we respect their rules. Uh, they'll come in and we'll be in the middle of doing something. And one of the security officers will come in and say, it's time for count. You know, every once in a while they have to count them and they literally line them up against the wall and count one, two, three, four, and make sure all 2,500 or whatever the exact number is are accounted for. And if, if the count doesn't come out, well, then everything stops until they figure it out. So we have to be flexible, uh, in there. We have to be respectful, um, because we're visitors, we're invited guests. And if we do something uh, silly, 
um, we might get the whole ministry kicked out of that particular prison. So uh, we have to be very careful and very respectful uh, of the, the powers that be, you know, the, the leadership, the warden and the chaplains, et cetera. Um, earlier, you said you have seen many miracles. Can you give us one? Uh, yeah, there's a, there's a fellow and I've shared with you guys a little bit about him. Um, and I won't use his, his last name, but his name is Cedric. And so I've, I've come in contact with hundreds, if not thousands of inmates over this 20 year kind of time period. But, you know, like any other thing, you know, there's certain people when you meet them, there's just a connection and, uh, can't explain it, can't describe it exactly. Don't exactly know what it's up, but you just know that they're, that, that you're attracted to that person, um, uh, in some way. And so th this, this gentleman, uh, was in prison. Uh, he is an entrepreneur. He's running a clothing company from inside the penitentiary. His wife, uh, uh remained with him, uh, throughout his 26 year incarceration, incarceration. He came to a Kairos and, uh, you know, uh, God kind of got a hold of him and he completely, completely uh, turned his life around. Uh, again, I've seen, uh, gang leaders. Um, you know, there's a, a high ranking member of the, the, I believe he was a crip and he was about six foot five, had dreadlocks, you know, down to past his shoulders was a very physically intimidating guy. Um, but what a gentle spirit. And he had a total change of heart during his Kairos weekend. He left the gang. And again, he was a high ranking gang member, left the gang. Uh, and then one day he said he was looking at himself in the mirror in his cell and God showed him what he would look like without those dreads. And, and he realized that, you know, that these dreadlocks symbolize my old life. Um, I, so he cut them off and, you know, I don't know a lot about, um, dreadlocks, but I, as I understand, it takes years and years and years and years to grow them that long. They were probably two feet long. He shaved them off. Um, and, and, and recently he had a life sentence. He recently had done so much. He started a, a mentoring program for young gang members to help them get out of the gangs. Uh, he really devoted himself while he was in, had a life sentence. He recently got clemency for from the governor of Tennessee and is now out of prison. And then the last one I could think of is we had, you know, there's some white gangs and there's black gangs in the prison. Um, and there was a, uh, a white gang leader, um, and a, and a black gang leader that actually got put at the same table, uh, one weekend. And they had such a profound experience that they got up and in front of everybody there, they hugged each other, a black man, a gang leader, from a white supremacist gang and a black gang leader, they hugged each other and told each other in front of all these men that they love each other. Uh, just, just, it's just amazing. Wow. Uh, just amazing. Wow. Um, so you've told us some about the impact on people inside, but can you share some about what's been some of the greatest impacts on you personally from being involved with this? Um, absolutely. I mean, it, it's, it's the most rewarding ministry that I've ever been involved, uh, with. I mean, we put, they, somebody did a calculation that to be on a Kairos weekend, it's a 394 hour commitment. When you add up all the meeting times, all the follow-up, all the, the actual four days, you know, three and a half days in the prison, uh, follow-up, you know, reunions every month. 
Well, that's a big commitment. Um, but I tell you, the reward is so much greater. And, and, and really one of the unexpected blessings is that, I mean, uh, on my list of probably 10 closest friends in the world, about seven of them are Kairos brothers that I've met through the prison ministry. And what is so inspiring about them is that Kairos is not the only ministry they're involved in. You know, they live a life of service and I try to do the thing and help wherever Uganda. And I was telling one of the young men that, that I was talking about um, that he, he wanted to help, but he didn't have the finances. And, and I said, you know what? Everybody has some amount of time, talent, and treasure. And whatever you have in abundance, give it. If you don't have a lot of money, if you can barely support yourself, but you have time, donate your time. Uh, maybe you have a, 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 a skill, like maybe you can play a musical instrument or sing. Do that. Uh, and maybe you don't have a lot of time, but you have a lot of excess finances. You're blessed financially. Give that. Um, so we all have a, a role to play. Um, but I've been so blessed. I tell people all the time that that Kairos Brotherhood, these guys, it's, it's the finest group of men uh, that I've ever been around. And uh, I said we're primarily uh, white just in terms of numbers of volunteers, but we have African-Americans, we have Hispanics, we have Asians. And like I said, all kinds of Christian denominations uh, representing churches from all over Memphis and the surrounding area. So just meeting all these guys and uh, so many of them have become very, very close friends to me and not only me, but my, my wife and my, and my family. Uh, so that, that's been a, a real beautiful thing to see. For people listening, um, uh, maybe you've been inspired by what you've heard Chris uh, share. And uh, I, I recommend people go check out the website. Uh, if it's something that you're thinking, you know what, maybe I'd like to get involved, then then get in contact with them, see how you can maybe get involved in your area. Um, Chris, thank you so much for taking the time. We, we really appreciate it. It's been really good to, to hear more details and more in depth about the things that you're involved with there and, and the impact that it's having on people. Thank you so hey, much. Hey, you bet. Could, could, I, could I give one parting comment? Definitely. Yeah, go for it. Um, more than one if you like. Th that, that is that, um, you know, somebody told me that in the mission field that you have goers and senders. You know, some people like you, like you guys, you have made the ultimate commitment to be missionaries and uh, devote your lives to sharing the gospel all over the world. Um, and so you are, you're goers, um, but you can't go without other people to help send you. And it's the same thing with us in Kairos. Not everybody, they say only 2% of people when presented with an opportunity to do prison ministry will say yes, only two out of a hundred. Um, but there are many, many things that you can do without going into the prison with us to support a Kairos weekend. One of the cool things that we do and the inmates that have been at this penitentiary we go to for any length of time, they know that twice a year Kairos comes and we give a, a, a dozen homemade chocolate chip cookies to every inmate at the prison, not just the 42 uh, who come to the weekend, but every single one. And one of the really special things is to go around from pod to pod, literally from cell to cell and hand these guys, these chocolate chip cookies. And you think that you were handing them a brick of gold. You know, we, we tell them, Hey, somebody's grandma, you know, 
bake this for you and and they love you and we do too you know and god loves you too so we get to speak to every inmate in the print we also give a dozen homemade cookies to every uh security officer to every uh, administration official every nurse every you know all the people in the prison so that's one way so we 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 make a 2500 dozen chocolate chip cookies that's I think, I think somebody says over 40,000 cookies, uh, twice a year. So there's a, lot, a whole network of churches in Memphis that support us that by baking cookies. So that's one thing. Uh, they, we also, uh, prayer. I mean, this ministry is just lifted up so much by prayer, you know, for, for our safety in the prison, um, that people will come to Christ, that, 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 that these men will be open, uh, to the message of love and forgiveness that we're bringing, um, and so, and then, you know, we call what we call green agape. Uh, it takes about $10,000, uh, to put on one of these weekends that we do and we're self-funded. So in addition to the 294 or 394 hour commitment for one weekend, you all, we also have to pay. <laughs> we pay for our hotel. We pay for our food. We set, we pay for the inmates food. Uh, and we sell meal tickets. We have a guy that's a local guy here that uh, is a leader of one of the local chambers of commerce. And he became our fundri- fundraising um, uh, head. And, and we, were, we were asking people to donate $140 to sponsor a table. Well, he said, you know what? Not a lot of people, not everybody has $140, but most people have $5. So he said, we started selling meal tickets. And so we sell meal tickets for $5 a meal. And you put your name, if it's a child, even they put their name, just first name and their age. And then on every meal, when we serve them, we put that little uh, piece of paper that tells them, Hey, this meal was provided to you by this person. Mm -hmm. And you know that, that by going from asking for $140 to asking for $5, our fundraising exploded. Uh, so, uh, I, I was just going to say that, that, um, that there's, you know, 30 to 45 uh, volunteers that go in and actually experience the weekend, but there are literally hundreds more people, uh, who support us in various ways. Um, you know, the, we, we take in homemade desserts and so people can, you know, bake pies or bake cakes or bake cookies, mm-hmm. um, and so there's, there's something for everybody. You know, if you don't feel comfortable going into the prison, that's okay. You can help us go. Uh, so, yeah. so anyway, it's, it's a wonderful community, uh, of, of volunteers. I think Cairo says there's over 30,000 volunteers worldwide. Um, and, and, and it's just, again, it's a powerful, and, and I, I talk mostly about the men because that's my experience. But again, we have devoted female volunteers that just as devoted and just as spirit filled that go in and do the same thing for, for women who are incarcerated. So it's, uh, you know, we're, it's a biblical command, right? In Matthew 25, that classic story about the sheep and the goats, it says, Jesus said, when I was in prison, you visited me. And then my favorite one is, uh, maybe Hebrews 13, three, that says to treat people who in prison, who are in prison as though you yourself were in prison with them. And those who are suffering as though you yourself were suffering. And so I, I, I'll finish with this. I had a dream one time about maybe two, three, four years ago that I got locked up in the penitentiary. And I tell you, it was, it, when I woke up, I was, uh, I was so emotionally wrecked. And when I, and, and then when I realized that it was just a dream, uh, uh, man, I was so thankful and grateful. Um, but, but there are men and women, um, all over the world who 
uh, who are spend 24 hours a day, seven days a week, 365 days a year locked up. And so I think the Christian community has an obligation. Um, those of us who can, and who are willing to go in and share the love of Christ. It's nothing we do. It's listen, listen, love, love. It's really that simple. Yeah. Wow. That, that, it's life-changing listening to you, Chris, really, as we've heard you talk about it many times, but sitting listening for this block period of time. Thank you so, so much. Yeah, thank you, Chris. Oh, and again, for thank people Thank you for the opportunity. Go check out the website. See how you can get involved and in supporting them and what they're doing. We really appreciate uh, the work that they do. And uh, it's always great fun when we get to catch up with Chris and and hear from him as well. So thank you so much, Chris. We really appreciate it. Thank you, Chris. Thank you. It's my pleasure. God bless you. Thank you for listening to this episode. If it inspired you, please rate us and subscribe on Apple or Google Podcasts, Spotify, or another podcast platform.